Is that really in the Bible? Well, we were all born into a ready-made world of religion. I, uh, I don't think any of us ever questioned it. We, we assume the traditions around us come uh, straight from the Bible. Most people are educated by the Bible, by what they've been told by others. My minister said so. It's the greatest authority they have. Uh, they wholeheartedly put their trust in another's opinion about the Bible. Well, in seminary school, a man or woman is taught a theology about the Bible. It's a uh, set of beliefs that the student assumes is right. We never ask the question, what if there is some error in the things I've been taught about God? And the real problem is, these errors are passed on to the congregation as absolute truth. Hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Have you ever been afraid to speak up for the truth? Even in simplistic areas, you know, it's just, you're sort of sitting there thinking, you know, I really should say that. I really should speak up. But you're sort of, you know, even though you may have discernment, you know what's really going on behind the scenes, you, you, you know the condition that you're dealing with, and yet you hold your peace. You don't speak up. You're afraid to speak up for the truth. I think we all struggle with that from time to time. You know, there's a verse in Ephesians 4 and verse 24. It says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. You know, when we fail to speak the truth, in a sense, we are lying. And someone said you have no right to withhold truth from another person. And I really, one time we were sort of, our church, we, we were trying to help the poor in our community and, and um, I, I was fielding some of these calls that would come in and, and the calls were horrendous. The sob stories that I would hear about, you know, I, I, I don't have any money, I don't have any, they cut off the power. And these people that call were always desperate. You know, they, they would wait until the power was off, the fuel was off, and the food was totally out before they would call. You know, I'm just, you know, just, just desperate. And I began to realize as I would field some of these calls that if I spoke the truth to these people, I would be hated. And it was a, it was a revelation to me to realize, you know, if I really told this person who is struggling with finances, with money, what your problem is, that person would hate me. Um, you know, if your goal is just to be nice to people and not tell them the truth, you know, you're really not helping that person when you hold back truth from a person. If you just, you know, your goal, I just want to be nice. I just want everybody to like me. I just want everybody to smile at me. And yet, when you, hold, when you don't tell people the truth about their situation, you're really not helping them, are you? You're just being nice. You're just being nice. Now, they may love you. They may take advantage of you. They may use you. They may abuse you. But you're really not helping them by not telling them the truth. Now, where would you go to find real truth? Now, a lot of people would say, well, I'd go to church. Well, <laughs> don't kid yourself. Isaiah 59 and verse 14 says, And judgment is turned away backwards, 
and justice stands far off. For truth is fallen in the streets, and equity cannot enter. A lot of people will say, well, my church tells it like it is. It tells the truth. Well, really, are you kidding yourself? I mean, consider most churches. Most churches, most preachers get up there, they read one scripture reference, and then they elaborate on the one scripture, and that's the whole sermon. One scripture, and then they elaborate on that one scripture. And that's supposed to, that one scripture is supposed to be enough to last you all week. Jeremiah 23 and verse 30 says this, Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, or just fill in the word preacher, says the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Now, how does a preacher steal God's word? Let me tell you how, by not speaking them. Again, you know, one scripture, Sunday morning, the minister elaborates on the one scripture, and that's it. How do you steal God's word? By not quoting the scripture. You know, I go through more scriptures on one program than you're going to hear in a month of Sundays. Now, are you afraid to speak the truth? William Backus, in his book, Truth Talk, says the average person tells himself 200 lies a day. I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm this, I'm no good, I'm, you know, 200 lies a day, okay. But I'm not talking about telling, you know, lying to yourself, although that's a problem also. But I'm talking about not speaking the truth to other people. Now, I want to tell you, I want to share something with you about Jesus' ministry that you've never heard before. Luke 2 and verse 52 says this. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, that's a, a nice scripture. It's the way that we like it, is it not? I mean, I'm in favor with God. I'm in favor with man. It's the way we, we want it. You know, God loves me. People love me. People love me. God loves me. Yes, that's how we want it. But consider what Jesus said concerning people, people that you may know. He said in Luke 21 or 17, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. What? 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 Hated? Why? Why would you be hated for being a Christian? for believing in Jesus Christ. Why would you be hated? Well, it has something to do with truth. Truth, yes. What did Jesus say about family members? Well, Matthew 10, verse 34. Think not that I have come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I'm not come to set, I, I am come, notice, I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. How? How does this occur? How does this happen? How does your own family turn against you? Well, it has something to do with truth. So Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man until, listen, until, until he began his ministry. Once he began his ministry, he lasted three and a half years. From the time he started his ministry, three and a half years, he was killed. Now, question. What would you have to do? Not, not that I'm suggesting this. What would you have to do to go out and get yourself killed? What to go out and get yourself killed? If, if you had a goal in three and a half years, I'm going to get myself killed. Again, not that you'd want to do this, but... Here's the condition. 
You can't break God's law and you can't break the law of man. That's the condition. Okay. I can't break God's law. I can't break the law of the land. What would you have? Now, you could go out and do something stupid and get yourself killed. Yes. But what would you have to do? Who would you have to upset? Who would have to hear you where they would come to a point that they would want to kill you? It's just a thought. I'm just trying to get you to think. But what I know is this. Jesus was not afraid to speak the truth. Let me spell it out for you. Most ministries is about favor with man. It's not about truth, okay? Most ministries, church ministries, is about favor with man. That's how you get the results, okay? That's how you get the million dollar income. That's how you get the jet aircraft. That's how you get fame and fortune and, and adoration and, and love by the masses. Respect it by all. Loved by all. Appreciated by all. That, that's how you build the mega church. Favor with man. Okay. Proverbs 28 verse 1, it says, The righteous are bold as a lion. Where is our boldness? What does this sin-sick world need? Do we need more choir boys preaching to the choir? Do we need more preachers? No, we do not. We need promoters of the truth. That's what we need. Jesus' ministry lasted three and a half years. Why? Why? Why only three and a half years? What happened? Well, John 8 and verse 32 says, and Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It is the truth that you know and apply that will make you free. Jesus didn't just live his faith like a lot of you are doing, in quietness and solitude. He, Jesus, promoted his faith. He promoted the truth. Jesus spoke the truth. John 8 and verse 40, look at this. John 8 and verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth. Why did they want to kill him? The truth. He spoke the truth. Listen, if everybody loves you, then either you are lying to everyone you meet or you are living a lie. Now, how did Jesus manage to only exist three and a half? He had a three and a half year ministry before he was nailed to that stake. What happened? Well, number one, two things that happened. Number one, Jesus was considered a political threat. Notice this, John 11 verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Oh yes, you always got your people that's gonna tell on you. You know, they're the one that's gonna rat on you. Okay, they gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we do for this man does many miracles? If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans, notice this, they were occupied by, by Rome. The Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. Jesus posed a political threat to the existing government of his day. These people are saying, if we don't do something about this, politi politically, we're dead. Jesus is dealing with the real power shakers of his day. 
You know, Jesus did not just address the man on the street. He addressed the corruption of government. You might say he dove right into politics. And a lot of people was, well, I just want to practice pure religion. Listen, pure religion, when evil is present, pure religion condemns it, no matter where it's coming from. If Jesus had not been considered a political threat, he'd probably never been killed. Now consider John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist, I mean, we're talking about speaking to the real power shakers here. You know, John the Baptist says it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And of course, he was killed for that. He was killed for that. Notice Mark 6 and verse 17. For Herod himself sent forth and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother's Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Where is the church when it comes to political issues? You know, I'm not talking about Democrat or Republicans. I'm talking about right versus wrong. When evil is present, pure religion condemns it. You know, I hear more going on in talk radio uh, while the church remains silent over these issues. Absolutely silent. You know, we've just given Iran the ability to destroy us as a nation and funding the cause so they can turn and first wipe out Israel and then wipe out us. Listen, that's not Democrat or Republican. That's just rank stupidity is what that is. But where is the voice of the church? Matthew 10 and verse 17 says, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the council, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. How could you live a Christian life and not be noticed, is my question. Matthew 10 and verse 18, And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. You know, you don't get into trouble with government unless you trouble government. Matthew 10 verse 22, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. He that endures to the end shall be saved. How could you be hated? How could you be hated? Let me tell you how. When your life, your message, condemns the life that others are living, that's how you can be hated. There is corruption in the highest places, and Christians are to speak against it. What can you do? You can write a letter to the newspaper. The church, someone said the church has been too long examining its own navel. It's time to speak the truth. It's time to speak the truth about crime, about abortion, about homosexuality, about murder, about theft, about morals, about value-free sex education. It's time for the church to come out of the closet. Now, the second point that got Jesus killed was this. Jesus was a threat to the religious establishment of his day. He was a thorn in the flesh to the religious establishment of his day. He did things like deliberately healed on the Sabbath day. There was nothing wrong with healing on the Sabbath day. It's just that the Pharisees of his day had built fences around the law of God. The Sabbath is a simplistic commandment. Rest, worship me, disconnect from your busy life and connect with me. It's a simplistic commandment. But the Pharisees had built laws around each one of the Ten Commandments and they had rules like you can't heal on the Sabbath day. That's a sin. And so Jesus deliberately healed on the Sabbath day just to mess with their mind. Nothing wrong with healing. It broke their traditions. Their oral law is what it broke. He would say things like be healed. Uh, instead of saying be healed, he, he would say, uh, your sins are forgiven. Because he was the son of God, he could do that. 
Instead of saying, be healed, he would say, your sins are forgiven. He knew that would just irritate and fly in the face of these self-righteous Pharisees who didn't know who Jesus was. Only, and they would say things like, well, only God can forgive sins. They didn't know he was the Son of God standing right before them. People would ask, Master, if we would see a sign. And Jesus said, no sign is going to be given to you except the sign of Jonah. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. He's telling these people, you are an evil and an adulterous generation. Jesus spoke the truth. He challenged them about their interpretation of the law. He challenged them about their traditions. Matthew 15 and verse uh, 8 says, These people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Oh yeah, all kinds of traditions that are not even in the Bible. That's why this program is called, Is That Really in the Bible? Because there's just a lot of traditions out there that you can't even find in your Bible. <clears throat> Jesus was asked about the resurrection. And, and his response was, you don't even know the scripture or the power of God. Notice this. Jesus is saying, you don't know the scripture. You know nothing about the scripture. He's telling this to a bunch of religious fanatics. The religious establishment of his day. Matthew 23 and verse 13, he said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Verse 16, woe unto you blind guides. Notice this. You fools and blind. Notice Matthew 23 and verse 17. You fools and blind. Matthew 23 and verse 27. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look fine on the outside, but are full of bones and decaying corpses on the inside. Wow. I mean, when I talk about Jesus challenged the religious establishment of his day, you got to wrap your mind around this. You got to wrap your mind around this. Matthew 23 and verse 33. You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? On one occasion, he said, Look, the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you people go in. I mean, for these self righteous religious people, that was like he could not have offended them more if he had taken a wet fish and just slapped them upside the face with it, when he said the publicans and the harlots are going to go into the kingdom of God before you people go into it. Jesus would say, look, you're wrong. You're wrong. Jesus was a threat to the religious establishment of his day, and it got him killed. It got him killed. Now, I'm convinced that if Jesus came to this earth again, that he would repeat an exact, you know, thing that he did 2,000 years ago. He would do the same thing all over again. He would challenge the religious establishment of our day, and he would be killed by the religious establishment of our day. Not that the religious establishment, the, the religious establishment instigated his death. It was actually the Romans that actually carried it out. But the religious establishment is what instigated his death. They're the ones that got him killed because Jesus spoke the truth and they hated him for it. They hated him for it. Now today, we have a religious establishment that is out there. 
You know, it's, it's basically what I call mainstream Christianity. The problem is it has absolute competence in its belief system. That's, you know, absolute competence. We know we're right. We know we're heaven. We know we're saved. We know we're heaven bound. We can't be wrong about anything. We have all truth. Yeah, there's a religious establishment today that has absolute confidence that they're right. They've been given all the wisdom from God and they have it all. And there's a lot of error in their thinking such as Jesus didn't go to church on Sunday. He was a Jew. He kept the Sabbath. 4,000 people, you know, the, the New Testament church kept the Sabbath. Jesus kept the Sabbath. Jesus didn't go to church on Sunday. Jesus never celebrated Christmas. You see, there's a lot of things that we've built our foundation on when it comes to our religion that is not true. Jesus didn't celebrate Easter. He celebrated the Passover. Man has an immortal soul. That's another false teaching that is out there. Uh, saved people immediately go to heaven. No, they don't. No, they don't. Jesus said no man has ascended to heaven. What actually happens when you die is you're dead and you're waiting for the return of Christ and the resurrection. That's, actually, that's what your Bible teaches. Uh, lost people go to hell and burn forever. No, no, no. And the people that ultimately will go to hell will be destroyed. There is no hell burning right now, okay? There's no hell burning right now. When you die, you're dead and you're in the grave. Now, I'm not saying there's no hell. I'm just saying the hell that's going to exist in the future is going to destroy you. Okay? Why? Because you don't have an immortal soul. That's why God only has immortality. Do you believe that? Do you believe your Bible? I think it's in Timothy, but it says God only has immortality. Do you believe that? The answer is yes or no. So if you don't have an immortal soul, there's nothing about you that can continue to burn forever and ever and ever in hell. You're going to be destroyed. And that's a good thing. What would you rather do if your enemy? Keep him alive forever? Torture him forever? What kind of person are you? And I'm supposed to contribute those attributes to God? That God wants to, to, to torture people forever? What kind of God do you worship? It's not the God that I worship. You're worshiping a different God, evidently. Um, you know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And ultimately, it will be the second death where there's no more you. You'll be put out of your misery if you reject. Okay. All right, so, so what I'm saying that in our religious establishment, there's a lot of things that are not true. And if Jesus came to this earth today, he would challenge our religious establishment of the day and he would say things like, I didn't go to church on Sunday. I didn't keep this Christmas celebration like you're keeping. I, don't, I didn't do these things. That's not what's in your Bible. And I'm saying he'd probably be killed all over again because he would speak the truth. Jesus did not build his church on a foundation of lies. He just didn't. He didn't build his church on a foundation of lies. There are absolute truths in the Bible. Been there for 6,000 years. You know, a 16th century philosopher said this. He said, the right method, that is for receiving truth. Listen to this. 
This is about understanding truth. And Jesus spoke the truth and it got him killed. And if Jesus came to this earth again, he'd speak the truth to people, to our government, to the religious establishment, establishment of our day, and he'd get killed all over again, okay? All right, a 16th century philosopher said this. He said, the right method should begin with a profession, profession of ignorance. Not only don't I know anything, I am in, I'm in a position in such a, I am positioned in such a way that what I think I know is probably laden with error, misapplication, and confusion. In other words, there is probably, there's the possibility, the possibility, yes, there's a possibility that I can make a mistake and that not everything that I believe and have been taught about the Bible is right. Now, I think that's a powerful concept when it comes to understanding truth. I could be wrong, but I'm just asking you, is, is that the attitude that you have when it comes to truth? Is that the attitude that you have? Or do you absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt? Do you have this absolute confidence? Can you be corrected is my question. Is it even possible for you to admit you know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong about a lot of things I've been taught about the Bible. Can you even admit that? Yes or no? Yes or no? You know, I don't claim to have all truth. Not by a long shot. I am growing in Christ. The things that I do know is true. Yes, I believe in that. And I promote that and I try to sell that. It's a hard sell, by the way. Yeah, very hard. The Sabbath is a hard sell because, you know, you're asking people to, to take off from work and keep the Sabbath. That's a hard sell, I admit. The holy days are a hard sell uh, because we're so accustomed to our pagan holidays. So nearly everything that I sell is not easy to sell, but it is truth. And you can put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> okay, truth is what got Christ killed in the end. You seek to kill me, Jesus said, because I have told you the truth. Yeah, if you speak the truth, leave town quickly, someone said, because people don't like truth. I'm David Freeman. And that's what's really in your Bible. One of the hardest areas to admit that we've been lied to is the Bible. Yet the truth is, you have been lied to about the Bible. Just think about some of the assumptions that are out there about religion. Now here are just a few. Jesus abolished the law. Jesus went to church on Sunday. Jesus celebrated Christmas. Jesus celebrated Easter. Man has an immortal soul. Lost people go to hell and burn forever. Saved people go to heaven. Today is the only day of salvation. These are all areas that we assume to be absolute truth, yet they're not absolute truth. All of these statements are lies. We've built our faith on assumptions. Now the real question is this. Did Jesus build his church on a foundation of lies?
And if the answer to that question is no, then somebody has to be wrong. Order your free copy of You've Been Lied To About the Bible. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.